0: the future of the tech stack is this ability to bring all the stuff that deliver these unique experiences that people remember forever. And that's how we actually make sales and marketing systems much more efficient in my mind.
1: Welcome to the OpStars podcast. We host authentic conversations with revenue operations professionals running the show behind the scenes holding things together, doing whatever it takes to innovate to solve problems, build processes, and manage the data to build a modern revenue engine that powers a great buyer experience. I'm your host, Rachel McBraryty. Welcome, I'm Rachel McBraryty, CCO of Lean Data, and I'm joined today by Lean Data co-founder and CEO, Evan Liang. Welcome, Evan.
0: Thank you, glad to be here.
1: Evan created the company 10 years ago, And it is now recognized as a modern revenue tech stack essential, certainly by its nearly 900 loyal customers, but also by Gartner, the largest analyst firm in the world covering the IT market. Prior to Lean Data, Evan was GM and VP of products at Caring.com, where he grew a small acquisition into the company's main business, generating over 50% of the company's revenue in two years. Before that, he worked at Shasta Ventures, the leading venture capitalist firm. Today, we're gonna speak to Evan about the Revenue Tech Stack to get his perspective on this fast-evolving landscape. But before we get to that, Evan, we'd love to hear the highlights of your career journey and what led you to start Lean Data.
0: Absolutely. So I think for me, it comes out of my personal pain points. My career towards ops actually started really early on. So one of the things is uh, I actually majored in uh, college in industrial engineering. So it's uh, all about operations, process, and efficiency. And so that's always been near and dear to my heart for a long time. For example, I'm the guy who gets really upset when I'm in traffic or you know there's a long line. So it's all about, I, I don't like waste. I wanna always make things iteratively better. So that's always been core to what I've done. Now, uh, I didn't exactly go to operations right out of school, but that's always been back in my mind throughout my entire career. I've actually spent my career really around technology companies as an investor, as well as an operator. And the idea for Lean Data really came when I was at my last company. I was in a VP of product role. We had an inside sales team, we, we were using Salesforce, and we brought in marketing automations. And as we were building our process to really scale our sales and marketing teams, Uh, we ran into a lot of data and process challenges. And as I said, I'm the guy who gets really upset when I have long lines. So when I saw those problems, it was very frustrating, having dirty data, having processes that just didn't quite work. And that hurting my ability to grow my revenue for, for, for my division really gave me that light bulb moment when I kind of realized, oh my gosh, you have to really drive these operations. You really have to make the data management critical. If you don't, you're not going to get the efficiency gains from the tech investments you would made. So 10 years ago, no one was really doing that. Some of the early problems we had solved back then, like uh, the best in class D Duke back then was a unique email address. They thought if you had a unique email address, that was, that was good enough. I solved that in my last company and then realized there's a huge opportunity here to help other companies really drive towards sales and marketing efficiency. That's always the goal eliminate that waste and really use data and processes and technology in order to make that happen. So that's a little bit of my career arc and I've uh, been doing it for 10 years. And it's a, it's a bigger opportunity than we ever thought. And it's uh, been a lot of fun, especially working with some of the fantastic customers. We've been able to help along that way.
1: Yeah, I appreciate the fact that you really did kick off revenue operations not even so much of the org model but this notion of efficiencies in sales and marketing and certainly have been leading on the forefront of that so i would love to get your perspective on the rev tech stack it is obviously massive we know there's thousands of applications for sales and marketing and customer success let's start off with kind of a level set what do you consider to be the key capabilities of a a rev tech stack
0: yeah. So I think the, the, the evolution of the RevTech stack is quite amazing. And I'll take a little bit of perspective from my uh, venture days. So I used to be a venture capitalist uh, over 20 years ago. And so I've seen the evolution of, of this stuff. So I'd say the first one really is the CRM and Salesforce. And one funny story I'll say is like, we take this for granted today, Back when uh, Salesforce was first getting started in 99, there was a lot of doubts in the investor community about whether or not salespeople would ever give up their Rolodexes and enter their information into a CRM. They're like, why would any salesperson do that? Because that's their gold, right? They're giving that up. And we take that for granted. So when you say, what is the core? The first one is to be able to digitally have all your contacts into uh, a database. And that wasn't a given in 1999, right? Today, we take that for granted. Everyone has a CRM or a Centralized database that 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 put automation in and Salesforce and primarily has kind of really driven that that change. On top of that, then I think you uh, move forward to where my pain points came around the uh, mid uh, two thousands two thousand seven two thousand eight two thousand nine and you really had the rise of like marketing automation. I also do remember back then some of the VCs were like who would ever give marketing technology, right? That was just something like like marketing didn't get, like they got ad budget, they didn't get tech budgets uh, back then. And so the idea of the MarTech stack really rising, again, that's only been the last 15 years you've seen that, and now that's a a foregone conclusion. And so to answer your point, it's amazing how far we've come the last 20 years, Rachel, from having a really well-defined sales tech stack to a MarTech stack. Uh, your cores are your systems of records like your CRM and your marketing automation. But on top of that, there's been just a plethora of all, like the Scott Brinkers thing, there's so many applications that allow you to take that data and use it and automate it in so many great fashions. So I wouldn't just pick a few technologies. I would definitely say two systems of records uh, and then the ERP is on the finance side. And then on top of that, you know, you've just had so many amazing applications on the market, like marketing automation, you have like intent data, you have enrichment vendors, also you have sales engagement, and and you've added like call reporting and uh, forecasting and all this other stuff. So I think I wouldn't pick specific vendors, but rather these entire stacks growing up has been uh, transformational. And it's been really exciting for for those of us who are trying to use technology to to make sales and marketing systems more efficient.
1: As an operations professional looking at having to make decisions about the capabilities for an organization. We know no two businesses are necessarily alike and no one particular vendor might be right for you. So what would be your recommendation of how would you start to think about the right capabilities for the company that you work for?
0: Yeah. So I think, uh, I think from an ops perspective, you start with the problem statement, right? What is the problem you're trying to solve? Oftentimes, I do think uh, one of the big changes with the rise of the tech stack is we went from like, hey, we didn't have very much technology. Like when I started Lean Data, there, was, there were no solutions around what I was trying to solve, to now we're kind of drowning in tech. There's a solution for every single thing, every single group has their own solution. And so there's almost too much technology. And so rather than being like, hey, just looking at capabilities, just Figure out what is the key problem you're trying to solve first and then look for solutions around this or combination of solutions. As the tech stacks have grown, it may not be one vendor that actually solves it for you, but it it may be the combination of you know six cents plus lean data outreach plus lean data sales loft it's the combination of vendors that kind of deliver that solution and ultimately i think what we're trying to drive towards and i'm sure it's, it's this common theme here on this podcast at offstars is delivering that buying experience so think about the customer and what you're trying to solve for them and then go backwards into how the technologies can help automate and make that make that a reality
1: that makes sense aligning to your unique buying experience so let's say you have your problem to be solved you figure out the capabilities. What are the attributes or things you should evaluate when selecting the right tech vendor? I would think it's probably more than features and functions. How would you recommend evaluating the right fit?
0: Yeah. So I think first one is obviously there's so much data out there on the various vendors. So you can read reviews on sites like G2 and find out, hey, what do other customers think about it? I think one of the great things about the ops community is everyone's so willing to share. Uh, everyone's trying to solve the problems together, and so the ops professionals generally will share their best practices in their tech stacks. Uh, and that's been huge for us, in Lean Data, is we've kind of grown with with the ops community because we, we we deliver on them. When we promise something, we actually deliver, and so that's the first thing you want to make sure is any vendor you're working with, do they actually do what they say they're going to do? Because I think there are vendors who overpromise and underdeliver. And we've always been on the mantras to underpromise, over-deliver. And that builds that kind of customer loyalty. So that's the first thing you want to do is the vendor does what it says it's going to do. And then I think the second thing is you want vendors who are going to be a partners and really think about how you work with them. One of the big things for us internally has always been customer first. We want to understand your problem. We're not just here to sell you software right we really actually want to be a partner with you on your journey in delivering that and that kind of builds that next layer of trust so you want the vendor who's going to be up with you At 3 a.m. if there's like a huge problem for us, like Zoom and DocuSign holds a special place in our hearts because we signed both of them up right before the pandemic. They had this huge surge and it was on a scale that we hadn't seen beforehand. And we were able to work with, partner with them and solve problems together. And we had to invent new things in order to accommodate that. So I think that's the second thing is really you want partnerships. And I think the new third thing that we're really seeing is because there's so much tech, is people who do think about things from an ecosystem perspective and are partner friendly and work well with other vendors. So if you do have a tech stack vendor, ask them who else do they work well with? How did their solutions get amplified? we are working with a bunch of partners now where we're saying hey how do we work better together to serve our, our our clients joint needs and certain vendors being in the tech ecosystem there are definitely folks who are easier to work with and folks who aren't so easy to work with i don't, don't want to name names but there are definitely folks who you know want to build their own specialized silos It's kind of like the the old microsoft of the world right they wanted you to just be in their ecosystems and and that that has some efficiency gains maybe a pricing but over time those those become a little bit brittle and you don't get the best innovation and not necessarily the best customer service either and so um i think those are the three things i would i would look at when i'm looking at technology and trying to figure out who i want to work with because it is critical Like you mentioned, everyone's unique. And so you don't want someone just to give you cookie cutter software. You want someone who's actually going to work with you to deliver a great experience.
1: And that makes sense. Forrester says there is no single vendor that's going to give you 100% of a solution. So that certainly resonates. One thing we didn't talk about is when do you decide to build versus buy? There's so much capability. Do you even consider it?
0: I think if you're very unique in some sense of your needs, and there really isn't a solution out there, then I think uh, sometimes building initially may be the best case. But oftentimes, I think because there's so much innovation in the space, it's usually better to buy. And the reason isn't just the initial build. So LeanData was kind of an innovator in our category. And oftentimes, we were working with build versus buy. And people would be like, well, I have my own internal IT team, and we can build that. And we're like, yeah, but when you, how long does it take when you want to make changes? And they're like, oh, yeah, then I got to get into the IT line and that could take six to nine months versus we're constantly innovating on our customer's behalf. And it's not just one customer's behalf. We're innovating across other customers. And so someone else has a problem and you get to benefit from their solving that problem. And usually the win is really when we talk to someone, they're like, yeah, I'm trying to solve this. Does anyone else do it? Like, yeah, no, we already solved that like a year ago, six months ago the customer network externalities of problem solving, right? Everyone's trying to solve similar problems, allows a vendor to actually provide a much broader perspective. So. I would say maybe build for a pilot, but then over time, I think if there is a vendor, uh, and I've heard this from uh, being on both sides, uh, it's much easier. You're going to get much more leeway when you call someone, a uh, tech stack vendor, and be like, hey, I have a problem. They're going to jump a lot faster. It's a lot harder to call your internal staff. <laughs> it will be, like, be like, yeah, get in line. But there are cases, I think, where uh, people are very unique and they do need to build stuff, or if it's core to what they do. But that's the great thing about ops. That's why it's a sharing community, because everyone's trying to solve a similar problem. For most folks, it's not necessarily core to what they do, but it's really important to grease those wheels so people are willing to share. Similarly, the tech stack benefits from that sharing. Everyone's collective knowledge is more powerful than any one individual.
1: I like the idea though, maybe you would do a pilot or bring together some of the existing functionality to test it first because 50% of all IT projects fail. And then like you said, the long-term maintenance and overhead can be can be pretty daunting. So great advice.
0: Yeah, let's to build on that. I, I do think sometimes to your original question around the problem statement, if you build something or maybe actually don't, it's not always build it from a technical perspective. Pilot it internally with maybe manual resources. That does help improve the problem definition and figure out what you want. I do think sometimes when people just drink the Kool-Aid too much and are just like, oh my God, I just want exactly that, that may not actually fit for you. So sometimes it helps for someone to actually have tried something internally, even if it's in a manual way, before adding the automation layer on top of it. And if you think about it, it's like, hey, if you weren't even doing this manually, why automate it, right? Is it that big of a pain point yet? So I do think trying something a little bit internally is helpful in defining your definition and how someone can take it even further.
1: Probably helps to prevent that over-engineering too, if you focus on trying to figure out, well, one, is that a big enough problem? And two, there's so many ways to solve things. And sometimes it can be pretty simple. All right. But there's so much cool stuff out there. There's so many new tools. So what's your advice on keeping an eye on the new innovation? Because certainly you don't want to miss something that your competitor is going to jump on. So how does an ops professional keep an eye on that landscape without going and buying all of that great uh, tech candy?
0: Yeah, it comes back to like kind of the community aspect, seeing what, what other folks are doing. And then just seeing what use cases come up and make it work. So there are going to be, obviously, the great thing about the ops community, there are folks who are early adopters, right? Usually those uh, fast growing early companies, and, and they will try out a lot of those tech. And uh, some people just enjoy that and they get the joy from just kind of being on the front lines. So for those folks, well, you can't convince them not to have tech. Uh, So they're going to be out there trying it. And then the the idea is, which are the ones that really solve real pain points and get that adoption curve and move on? I think one of the key things uh, I used to say around uh, new technologies, don't ask folks if they bought new tech, see how often they renew it. It's that renewal process and that retention process that you tell someone that that's something that they actually really love. So it's that, that, that those renewal rates and that net t- retention rates that actually distinguishes the new tech, the tech that is just like a flash in the pan versus something that is actually truly providing value from the customer.
1: Great advice. So tell us what you're focused on right now at Lean Data. You mentioned Lean Data plus Six Sense. What's the next wave for, for Lean Data?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we were the pioneers in a category called matching and routing define that and built that into this essential category. What's interesting is, again, we always look at learning from our customers and for them, they really were pushing the envelope on, Hey, Lean Data, you're in the middle here of our, of our operational stacks. How else can you help us? And they were wanting us to increase our automation. So we've really circled around this idea of kind of revenue orchestration, which is how do we help you take all these signals you're generating from your MarTech stack, orchestrate that and turn them into a very efficient sales place. And taking that mantra, how do we help these ops people make sense of their technologies, better utilize their technologies in order to get more sales and marketing efficiency, which is always our goal. And we have an ability to automate more than just routing. We are already doing that for many of our customers. As part of that, it has had us focus on looking at the entire ecosystem and figuring out who are the folks that our customers use most often. So using a technology like Crossbeam, understanding who are we always working with. And oftentimes, because the integrations isn't the hard part anymore, because of the SaaS and the common platforms like a CRM, the data does flow back, but it still doesn't deliver that delightful experience. And so for us, it's really around working with the partners to be like, how can we actually truly revamp and deliver a better buying experience? Someone's success is like, great, you have intent data from your account. That's useful, but that's just a score. How can we take that and maybe do things like dynamic routing? so that we are actually taking those and dynamically assigning the best rep, making sure that someone understands this dark account is really valuable. Once we get assigned to the rep, how do we maybe trigger sales cadences automatically from someone like a sales loft or an outreach or a Groove? That is truly account-based orchestration versus today we're leaving for our customers that you have to stitch this together yourselves. We can give that best practice. And that's just one example. Uh, another example I really like is, is this really innovative company out there called user gems that is tracking customer virality i I know you can do this sort of in linkedin but they've automated it in some fashion where it can say hey a, a customer of yours has moved to a new company that's a prospect and send you an alert around that with us we can detect that they can send us that signal. We can be like, okay, wow, we want to make sure this is a hot, hot new account, assign a rep to it, notify them. And then maybe you can do a play like send them a gifting from some service like Sendoso or an Alice or Posto. Your customer shows up at their new place. They have a gift from you saying, hey, we love working with you. I often get this where it's like, hey, I just got here. Give me three months. I'm going to call and buy and bring you in. So that's just like a new play that I don't think anyone does that really well, certainly not at scale. And that's that combination of building multiple capabilities together to deliver that. So the analogy we're kind of using internally, marketing signals is like marshmallows, your sales place is Hershey's chocolate. What we do is kind of like the Graham characters, you bring it together, each one is great. But when you bring it together, you actually create a whole new thing which is better than the the, each individual parts, which is s'mores. But I would say I take that analogy even further. What you actually remember most about s'mores isn't just eating it. It's that experience of being at the campfire, bringing those elements together, cooking it, and tasting that warm thing in real time. And that's what I think is kind of the future of the tech stack is this ability to bring all the stuff that deliver these unique experiences that people remember forever. And that's how we actually make sales and marketing systems much more efficient in my mind.
1: Perfectly aligned to where the world has gone with the buying journey. That point in time where they're engaging and you have those signals, it's super important to respond quickly in the right way. And I also, I love that virality. There's so much competition, more than ever before. So anything else on this tech topic?
0: I think the main thing is also where we're seeing some of the vendors continue to innovate and spaces are coming together. One of the big areas kind of from the matching and routing side, there's the calendaring space. And so, Lean Data has recently uh, launched a new product called Bookit. The use case there is you come to a, uh, a landing page or an inbound website using routing. We can find the exact right rep, whether or not it's an existing customer. You send it to a to a CSM, or if it's a you know a prospect account, you send it to the right AE. And then, using Bookit, you can book it onto their calendars instantaneously. And that's an example of, again where hey, we can deliver a better experience by taking two technologies and merging it together. And so we're doing that from an innovation perspective, but then we're also partnering with other folks to expand the the set of use cases. It's an exciting time as we really leverage the technology because we bought a lot of technology. Now it's about how do we make this really hum and kind of deliver on the pain points I had 10 years ago. As
1: soon as I say, hey, I'm, I'm interested. If you don't answer me, I'm probably over at the competition going, I'm ready to buy. A couple of closing questions for you. The first is advice to somebody who's just about to start in their first operations role.
0: The operations role, as, as, as we've seen in the last year, is a fairly new role. So it's not like folks have been doing operations for 20 years or something of that sort. So my biggest thing is just have an open mind and be really curious and have a problem-solving mentality. Doesn't matter what you were doing beforehand. I've seen SDRs become great operations folks. I've seen folks who do implementations. I've seen folks in the sales org. so I've seen folks or, or, you know, similar to mine, they come from an operations background from a process perspective, right? So you can come from a variety of different roles. I think the key thing is just, you know, have that process mentality, be very iterative. And if you take that, I think the sky's the limit as to where you can take your career. If you're constantly solving problems, and trust me, there are so many problems with uh, go-to-markets. As much as I set out 10 years ago to solve it, I think (laughs) we we, we have sales and marketing, there's still a lot of inefficiencies. So there's there's a plethora of problems solved. I uh, like someone once told me in operations is never perfect. It's just always incrementally better. So if you take that mentality, I think uh, you'll you'll grow in your career really fat, rapidly, and you can make a huge difference for your organization.
1: Excellent advice. And final question: Who in the world of operations would you most like to take to lunch?
0: Oh, that's an interesting question. I oftentimes spend a lot of times taking various folks out already. So it's, <laughs> I think I think someone who I've always learned from and really early on, I would credit uh, Lars Nielsen, who used to be at Cloudera, who's at Snowflake, as someone who I felt was looking things ahead I think uh, early on, like maybe eight, nine years ago, he really saw the potential for something like lean data as well as outreach. We were both tiny companies at that point in time. And he was like, I believe that you guys are the future and you need to work closer together. I actually wish I had listened to him a little bit closer because we are working closely with outreach. But if I had taken that advice and thought ecosystem back then, instead I was like, no, I'm focused on my lane. I think uh, you know some of the stuff we're doing now could have been solved five years ago. And so I think... Uh, he was also in some respects godfather of like account-based sales development and so i again i thought he was a forward thinker back then i still think he is today so uh and uh since the pandemic i actually haven't had lunch with him i used to have a lot of time so that reminds me i should probably get back together with him
1: excellent thank you evan this is fantastic appreciate
0: definitely rachel thanks for having me on
1: the Upstars podcast is brought to you by lean data To find out more about us and our suite of Salesforce native products for marketing sales and revenue operations, head to leandata.com and then make sure to search for OpStars in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at OpStars and Lean Data, thanks for listening.